This is the EPP Group podcast on cancer screening and the idea of registers across the European Union. My name is Jack Parrick and I'm going to guide you through what the EU and the EPP Group are trying to do on this issue. Please don't despair. If you are diagnosed, don't despair. There is a solution if there is some time, you know, whatever, even if they tell you, they told me one year, they told me one year. Here I am (laughs) a decade after. That was EPP MEP Antonio Lopez Estures White during an Instagram live for the group where he spoke openly about his personal survival of colorectal cancer publicly for the first time and pressed the importance of early detection. Members of the European Parliament's Special Committee on Beating Cancer, known as the Becker Committee, have been focusing their work on the need for screening and early detection. Later on, we're going to hear from Deirdre Clune, an Irish EPP MEP who sits on that committee. But first, let me talk you through what happened on March the 18th, 2021, when there was a special hearing in the European Parliament on the needs for screening, which presented three main themes. One, how screening can help. Two, the use of innovation and artificial intelligence. And three, how this all fits into the broader effort in fighting cancer in the EU. Joseph Tabanero is the executive board member and past president of the European Society for Medical Oncology, ESMO. He spoke during the hearing. In 2020, more than 90 million patients with cancer were diagnosed around the world, with 2.7 million cases in the European Union. A couple of remarks. The expected numbers for 2040 rise very dramatically, with almost 30 million patients diagnosed worldwide. And second, and perhaps more important, 40% of cases are preventable or suitable for early diagnosis. Artificial intelligence technology can be used in screening services. During the hearing in the European Parliament, research assistant professor at Northwestern University, Moziyar Etemadi, showed two CT scans next to each other, one with cancer and one without. You can show a trained radiologist these two images and ask the question of the radiologist, does the patient have cancer? Uh, And they will use their life experience and education and other things. And, uh, for example, the number of nodules, the size and the shape, et cetera. And uh, they'll they'll tell you that, you know, the the one on the right is more likely to have cancer than the one on the left. And and this is the standard of care. Radiologists are very good at doing this. Well, we can do the same thing with uh, computers. We can show it the images over and over again and grade its work uh, and uh, form this representation of uh, whether or not the patient has cancer based on the images. And in this case, uh, you know, it's a little bit fancier, so we, we call it AI, but in, in the end of the day, the, the principles are all the same. So we've done this uh, through a large uh, international collaboration, and we you know, trained on well over 40,000 examples, and it performed as well as humans, and in some cases better, uh, showing 11% less false positives and 5% less false negatives. In the EU, there are screening programmes for most cancers, with cervical and breast cancers being given the priority. But for prostate and lung cancers, for instance, there's still work to be done. Some of the difficulties faced by screening programmes are the identification of population, recruitment issues, lack of management, screening frequency and cost effectiveness, according to the experts. Enriqueta Philippe is the head of the Medical Oncology Service of the Thoracic Tumours Committee at Val de Hebron Hospital. And she spoke about lung cancer screening during the Parliament hearing. She explained that while stopping the use of tobacco is the most important way to fight lung cancer, there is very low level still of early detection. Lung cancer represents 11% of all lung cancer, of all cancers, and also is the main reason of cancer-related deaths. So approximately 18% 
of all cancer deaths are due to uh, lung cancer. But there is also a, a, a relevant problem in lung cancer, and that is that the majority of patients are diagnosed with a stage 4 disease. Approximately 60% of the patients are diagnosed with metastasis, and for these patients, survival is poor. It's true that in recent years, it has been an, uh, uh, advances and there is an increase in survival for those patients with metastatic disease due to the use of targeted therapies, but it's an important uh, 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 topic to try to diagnose the patients early in uh, order to try to uh, uh, offer surgery for these patients and increasing the possibilities of cure. One of the other major issues raised by the experts during the hearing was the effect of the EU's GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, and what it's having on cancer registries. Joseph Tabanero from ESMO had this to say. There is no doubt that the data collected through cancer registries are crucial to understand trends in cancer occurrence, related survival, to assess the outcome of implemented therapies and to establish cancer plans and measure their effectiveness. However, in order for the registries to function, it is crucial to have an harmonized general data protection regulation. The European Data Protection Board published guidance to help member states. However, these guidelines on concern raise concerning on the interpretation of these recitals that has resulted in a fragmented implementation of the GDPR, potentially jeopardizing the functioning of registries as well as future research. So as promised, I'm joined by Deirdre Clune, who is an Irish MEP who sits in the European People's Party here at the European Parliament. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Delighted to be with you. Thanks for the opportunity. So, so we're sat here in your office fully masked, so just so our listeners are aware, there might be some muffled uh, sound on, on the audio recording, but we're, we're respecting the rules, obviously. Um, so I wonder if I can just get your first impressions of uh, the Becker Committee's committee hearing on screening and the need for it. What were your sort of major takeaways from that hearing? Well, I suppose the best thing you can say about screening and what came up in the hearings as well is, is the value of it and that it really does save lives uh, and not alone saves lives, but it can save an awful lot of suffering from cancer patients. So if, they're, if it's identified early, the cancer is identified early and detected, well, then, of course, absolutely, um, you can reduce, take a whole lot of stress out of people's lives and not themselves, but their families and, and those that will be caring for them. So that's really important. So I think... Uh, in one sense, if you step and say, of course, it's, it's, it's a no-brainer, it should happen, we should be screening. And then you look and see, well, why isn't it happening and why aren't we investing and investing in resources, money, but time and energy to ensure that we do have screening. So I think, you know, what, what, I, what I'd say, screening absolutely saves lives. Uh, we need to do it. In fact, it's, 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 it's from an economic point of view also, the amount of money that can be in the that's in, if you invest in screening will absolutely um, it's it, it's it's infinitesimal compared to what what spend what you spend on um treating patients and i mean i don't want to bring you know maybe few few challenges in one sense the economic issues when you're looking at the impact it can have on people's lives and their health but it makes sense it makes absolute sense 40 percent of cancers uh can be prevented and um we don't know why 
some cancers occur, but we absolutely do know that screening, particularly in breast cancer, cervical cancer, colorectal cancer, uh, can be enormously beneficial. So I've, from the hearing, actually, we're determined to make sure that it's part of our plan and when our final report in reacting to the Commission's proposals. So one of the suggestions that's being put forward is this idea of sort of cancer registries cross-border. Um, I wonder if you can expand on, on what your takeaways of that are. Well, the cancer registries would be, you know, that you would have a database set up as to what kind of cancers are there um, are, that are occurring, the reasons behind it, if you can. Maybe there's some data that would support that. It could be genetic, could be genetic types of cancers, environmental type related to environmental exposure, whatever, uh, you know, to try and do it so that you, it, it's sharing of information is a benefit to everybody in terms of dealing with this disease. And, you know, you have to recognise, obviously, that there's a privacy issue. But nevertheless, I say a, a woman in her 40s with a certain background, you can, you can present that, th those results and not have, the person need not be identified at, at all. But certainly the situation and the, the, medical, the medical details can be shared. And that, that will give more insight. The more data you have, the more insight you have and the better treatments you will have for the disease. Things like registries uh, are complicated, as you said, from a, a privacy and data protection point of view. The coronavirus pandemic has sort of shown, perhaps, I don't know if you'd agree, maybe some leniency, some ideas that we need to cooperate across borders more in the European Union. I don't know if that's your takeaway, whether you think that the, the pandemic can change opinions on, on how we do this with regards to a, a disease like cancer. Well, I think coronavirus has shown us exactly that we need to do more and we need to cooperate more across borders. Sharing of information is really important. Uh, the uh, d d sharing of data wh where we can in a safe ma manner that reflects privacy. That's um, that, from a European point of view, GDPR point of view, really, really important. But certainly uh, we, there, we don't need any barriers in terms of uh, across border barriers. We don't need any barriers in terms of borders. We need to share information and sharing information in terms of um, uh, patient care, uh, the type of care that might work or may not work, um, you know, developing, developing excellence, maybe centers of excellence as well can help in terms of this, you know, one area focuses on and pulls together information and then that can be shared across, across European countries. That's really, really important. Some countries are not as advanced as others, and that needs to be um, to be rectified. So, you know, the Commission has a really a target of um, wants target of by 2025, 90% of the population of the eligible population for screenings in terms of colorectal, breast cancer, and cervical would be screened. So, one of the things that the European Commission wants to do is to give research and innovation much more funding as part of this, and this is the. The uh, the EPP can beat cancer. You know the EU can beat cancer plan. They want an increase of the research budget by fifty percent within Horizon Europe, from eighty to one hundred and twenty billion euros for the next seven years. Where do you think um, innovation comes in and research in trying to trying to tackle cancer? Oh, I think innovation and research in particular is really, really important for cancer. We've seen that in our in our committees. Um, the more information you have, the better will be the outcome for, for patients in, in terms of uh, data. Um, those that are suffering from cancer that have cancer, you know, every every patient 
can contribute to a data set that can build that we can build to support to support others. I mean, we talk about biobanks sharing sharing information or banking information and having that of that information available to share. I mean, the more information you have, uh, the more benefits research, and of course that's good for, for patient outcome. Um, you know, and we need to stop thinking as we do sometimes in Europe in terms of silos and different areas that have all their research and they they just concentrate on what they're doing themselves to share that out across so that and that needs to be facilitated. Is this happening to a certain extent, but um, certainly there needs to be more more of it. So one of the things as well from the uh, from the hearing, uh, I don't know whether you agree, but it's, it's I mean, it's really interesting with screening because um, part of it, obviously, new innovation is important, but actually it's about getting citizens to turn up and be screened and create a structure. I wonder what you think uh, the EU can do on this specifically. How can Europe do this when national health services are in charge of this? Yeah, I think you're, it's a very important point, the uptake in screening, because we've seen that, you know, people don't really respond to it, not necessarily. I mean, so information, education is important. Um, it's fine for medics and scientists and maybe those of us who are involved closely in it and seeing the results at policy level. But you need to get that message out and that it's nothing to be afraid of. In fact, uh, I think the really positive message we have to send out is the impact that it can have on your life if this cancer is detected and, and the benefits of screening. Uh, and people are, are can be afraid of it. They're afraid of maybe a positive result. Uh, and <laughs> that's something that you have to help people with and to understand, you know, that uh, if if you have a cancer or your precancerous stage, um, that it's much, much Better, better for you in your interest, in the interest of your family as well, and your friends and those who will be who live who you share your life with, that um, you identify it early. So it, it it can take a bit of courage because I, I know it seems it can seem to some people, of course, you know, absolutely the facts are there. It's, it's it it makes no sense not to take up your invitation. But people feel maybe some people feel it doesn't apply to them. Others are genuinely afraid of what of how how they can deal with a, a negative situation if they, if they would be able to deal with it and, and they need to be supported in that. I think, I think going back to the point, I think information is really important, education, building an awareness around it. And, you know, we've seen in the, in the pandemic now that screening has, has dropped. Well, see, in my own country, it, hasn't been, it has been stopped from a healthcare point of view. Now it's coming back as well. But from a public healthcare point of view, it has stopped. And... Um, what we heard from doctors in, in giving evidence to the committee was that there undoubtedly will be cancers that would have been missed and uh, they present themselves now at a, at a later stage and it's going to lead to suffering. I won't say unnecessary suffering, but that's the situation that we have now. So we've got to get our, make sure our cancer screening programs that we deal with the backlog that's there from the last 12 months during the pandemic and get these cancer screening programs back on play, back on track where they are and ensure that we have every country then introduces the, the, the relevant screening programs. I mean, I think it, it certainly was a big concern. It was clear from the, the experts in that panel that, yeah, the screening process is being delayed pretty much across the board. And while it's understandable that the COVID pandemic has sort of sucked up all of the healthcare resources for a while broadly, 
Um, I wonder whether you think that actually the fact that we're accustomed perhaps to taking COVID-19 tests, whether that can be imprinted on the mentality of populations, that we can use that as a springboard maybe to increase screening and testing and get people more used to going to their doctors for these sort of things, or whether you think they're two divided situations and that, as you said, the C word, the cancer word, is a very scary for people, not the, not the C word, the COVID word, maybe. <laughs> yeah, the C word, the cancer word is, can be chilling, chilling for people. Um, you probably, it's a point, yeah, when people are used to engaging and more conscious of their health, used to engaging for a test that's relatively simple, the, the COVID test. Um, and yeah, it is a point, maybe, you know, that public health and healthcare is more to the fore now. I think most people know from listening to news and reading, they know about COVID, they know about um, uh, vaccines. So they're, they're, they're learning and they're learning more, they're learning about their body care. But, you know, c- cancer is one, still is the biggest killer in Europe and will continue to be for some time. And, you know, we need to really get the message out, the importance of screening and make sure that we haven't lost ground in the last 12 months. If we have in some cases, and I have no doubt that we have, absolutely. But that needs to be built on and bring back, give confidence that it's the right thing to do. It can save lives. And in many cases, I think people who, are, who have, you know, who benefited from screening, uh, if, we can, people, if you can have people who are endorsing it, individuals endorsing it, rather than hearing it from a cancer screening program, you know, you need personalities, individuals. We can be very beneficial in um in endorsing in endorsing a particular campaign in my own country in Ireland, we've had uh, women who have been very who mis- misdiagnosed or who've had you know who have had difficulties with the cancer screen with the cervical screening program, but they have been very vocal in appealing to people, do not lose faith in a screening program because it does save lives, and I think that's the the message we really need to get out. It saves lives and it saves an awful lot of suffering. Moving on, where do you think that all of this fits in? especially with the early screening and the innovation, where does it fit into the, the EU Can Beat Cancer plan? Where are we with that from, from, what, from what you're seeing and you're feeling and what you're working on? Well, we've had the Commission has produced their own beating cancer plan at the moment, the Parliament, and is preparing their reaction to it and what they would like to see uh, in the cancer strategy and how Europe is going to beat cancer, which is a, for this term of Parliament, it is really important. We expect to have our report completed by the end of this year. And um, at the moment, we're in a series of hear- hearings and listening to the experts and, and listening to patients as well, because I think the, the reaction um, has to be patient focused. And if, if you have the patient with you and if it's patient focused, I think then you're, you're going you'll go a long way towards success. So we're in the middle of a series of hearings. Uh, they're all available on, on the website and you can see and tune in. Everything is live. Uh, everything is real and it's there for the benefit of anybody, for citizens across Europe to tune in. And you don't have to be a healthcare professional or a, or a, a patient, but somebody, general, anybody can can listen in and see, see what's going on. So the idea is we prepare a report in conjunction with the Commission's um, Commission's proposals, and we would then have a where we would see where resources can be spent, where energies can be spent, and what kind of a framework we want to put in place to have a European-wide response, not just not just individual countries, because some countries have really a, a, excellent uh, care and services, and they are way ahead. 
others have not and that doesn't if it doesn't benefit Europe at all if you've got weaker spots some places are weaker we want a European wide response where there's equal access for all and, equal, and the same level of service regardless of your address that's the important thing on that do you think that there's the potential I mean talking about screening as well for an actual EU-wide plan where it isn't national health services that do it but some sort of EU structure goes in and does tons of screening across the whole of the European Union. I mean, it would be pretty difficult to get in place, but do you think there is scope for some sort of really massive EU programme to get into all the member states? Or do you think it will still have to work through the National Health Services? I think it will still work through the National Health Services because I think healthcare is, well, it's primarily, it's a matter for the member states. It's not an EU competence really healthcare, even though public healthcare is, and there is a role that the European Union can play in coordinating. And I think that's where the where we can, where Europe has a strength. Number one, we're talking about screening, setting standards there in terms of access, uh, the actual screening program itself, and then diagnosis afterwards and treatment. So to have a, a, a standard that every European citizen can expect to find in their own country. I think that's important and we can have that coordination at European level. But ultimately, the best way, I believe, for to deliver these services is through their own national health programmes, whether it's the NHS, the, 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 in my own country, it's the HSE, Health Services Executive. So I think that they're best placed because they have the structures, they have the network and they, they know their people. But I think we can absolutely set standards and uh, how, it should, how that can be achieved that can be done successfully at European level. From your work on this issue, on the cancer issue and the plan and the reports, so far, I know there's still more hearings to come. There's quite a long way to go before, uh, you know, it would come into place, so to speak. But what are your current priorities? What have you found most interesting or important throughout the hearings so far? I think the most important area we can focus on is those 40% of cancers, um, that are, we don't know how they came from, where they came from, whether whether they're you know some, there's obviously cancers related to lifestyle or environmental exposure, uh, uh, alcohol, tobacco, those kind of cancers. Well, not dismissing them, but we know how, we can know how to do, deal with them. But there's that forty percent that is not explained, and um, how can we do more in that area? Is it through research? Is it like with pediatric cancers? Do more research? You know that they're they're more rare. Uh, but still, you know, we can do a lot in that area in terms of research and focusing. And of course, screening plays an off, a very important role as well. So I think there's a lot of scope in that 40% figure that we hear about. And that's where um, we can really prove successfully, prove to be successful because, you know, it does prevent a lot of suffering and a lot of um, pain and anguish unnecessary. So if we, if we can get to that point, I think we'll be on to a winner. No, I think the most important thing is that there is a role that Europe can play. And I think we can share information. And there are areas, even within countries, that don't do as well as others. You know, some countries, some areas may not have the same level of services. And I think the role the European Union can play a really important role there. And, and, and sharing of information is important at research level. The smaller countries, such as my own, can benefit enormously from, uh, from that, uh, even for, with trials and Pediatric trials, in particular, we wouldn't have smaller countries don't have access to those trials, but they can do by being part of a, the greater union and the bigger block that is Europe. So, you know, I think you know there is more certainly can be done. We've seen it in COVID how we can pull together, 
purchasing of vaccines together, you know, stockpiling PPE, you know, providing standardization and certification of somebody's had a COVID test, all that uh, we can we can do an awful lot at European level. And I think um, that'll be the target, that'll be the focus to, and not not to lose sight of that because you can go down to various areas and look at areas that are really a matter for the member states. But there's more that can be done at European level. Just finally, when you talk to citizens and your constituents, etc., about this issue of cancer and the EU's involvement in it, what's their reaction to an EU cancer plan? Uh, I think people are always very positive about anything, any more to be done about cancer. There, I really try and focus on screening. I think screening is important and trying to extend that to other areas such as prostate cancer. Uh, I mentioned colorectal cancer. There'll be lung cancer screening as well. You know, the more information we have, the more science advanced we can really introduce these things. Um, so people are really, the ones I speak to, are receptive to that and they understand it. Uh, they understand too and they, they, they can see the value of um, European approach. Now, Europe isn't going to solve every problem, but if, they, but if we have a European approach, we can actually improve on cancer. So cancer is something that everybody fears and, you know, it's a, one of the biggest killers. It is the biggest killer in Europe. Uh, everybody fears, as you mentioned, the big C. Um, so it's touched lots of lives in many ways. And um, really, it's, there's a real strong push now at European level to deal with it and to make sure that we can do what we can to reduce the numbers and to improve uh, quality of life for patients and their carers and their families. Didri Kloon, thank you so much for joining us here on the EPP Beating Cancer podcast. Thank you too. Nice to chat to you. Thanks for listening to this EPP Group podcast on cancer screening. You can find out more about the EU Can Beat Cancer campaign by visiting the website eppgroup.eu or search on Facebook and Instagram. Goodbye. <laughs>